welcome to episode 142 of Retro Encounter, the RPG fan podcast where we play oldish games and chat about them. Today we are finishing up our discussion and our playthrough of the original Mass Effect, one of uh, the most beloved sci-fi RPGs, I think, for all of us and for a lot of you out there. Um, And when I say we, I mean we have an intrepid, awesome panel of RPG and Mass Effect fans to talk about this game. Uh, I'm your host, Caitlin. You assume I give a damn, Argyros. I had to use that quote, you know, for reasons that I will expand upon later. Can't take it with a straight face yeah. now. <laughs> yep. Uh, we also have Liz. We are gonna need bigger guns, Moss. Hello. Have you seen what we're fighting in Mass Effect? <laughs> we need, like like Joker says in Mass Effect Three, we need guns that shoot Thresher Moss. So they must be gigantic. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Forgot about that. That'd be terrifying. <laughs> But awesome. And that, uh, who just mentioned that, that was Greg. It's a big, stupid jellyfish delmage. And they're not <laughs> edible. It'd probably be really tough if you ate, uh, you ate a hanar. Like, I, I, I'm kind of <laughs> imagining really like a, an octopus squid texture. And does the peeing rule still apply? Is that still a thing? If like you get touched by a hanar? <laughs> You have to, yeah, you have to, well, or do you have to pee on it before you eat it in order to? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Welcome this to one is a very um, different this... podcast this time around. Yeah, let's, 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 Indeed. let's move on from, right this, the is, ship. this is Mass Effect, not, uh, not Chef Effect. Uh, finally, we have Nathan, I can bludgeon pretty hard, Lee. <laughs> I was just thinking about that quote, it was like, where did, what was the context of that quote again? Um... On Novaria, when you're talking to Parasini, and she's like, "You can't bludgeon your way through polit- uh, uh, politics oh, yes. or that wasn't one. That's corporate right. intrigue." <laughs> and Shepard's like, "You have not met me. Really. <laughs> exactly. No." <laughs> all right. Well, we're all here, and uh, we've all finished our playthrough of Mass Effect, and we're going to talk about it. So, I think the best place to start is since we have finished the game, we've seen the entirety of the game, or probably the third, fourth, fifth time for a lot of us. What are our thoughts now that we've finished this playthrough? How do we feel the story kind of came together in the end? Um, I found it was uh, a nice satisfying wrap up to things, but also clearly ramping up for uh, a greater trilogy at large. Like there was definitely, you're left wanting more, which is also evidence Mm -hmm. in the fact that I immediately turned around and went to New Game Plus because I'd kind of forgotten that was a thing. And I was just like, I just want to play this a bit more. And then got uh, way too busy to keep going with it. But it definitely makes you want to know, great, we've now seen this big bad and we've discovered there's more to it. I feel some victory, but oh my gosh, what else is out there? Yep, exactly. And it was, um, yeah, I I loved the final area where you're fighting on the Citadel. And uh, one of my favorite areas in the game, which has always been Ilos. And just learning about the Protheans and, like, the history and all that. So just seeing how all that came together. But like Greg said, like, seeing that there's more to come, even though this part's over, there was, like, just enough finality while telling you, yes, there's more coming. <laughs> there's more is, There's more guys like Sovereign coming. Beware. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. I remember going through Ilos and having Vigil's theme play in the background when we talked to the yeah. Vigil. It was one of, one of my favorite moments from this game in general and then i felt like it wrapped up pretty well even just for a 
like the first game in the series, it, it does like you guys said, it has that kind of finality feel to it, while still like telling you that there's gonna be more to come, and it's just a good way to wrap up. Yeah, sure. I agree. I think they did a good job with making it feel like the first century. There's more to come, but they didn't make it end on the kind of cliffhanger that they could have. It wasn't the, the Halo uh, 2 ending. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it's just like the whole package. I mean, even when it was new, you know, you could see some of the jank and the and the, the issues, and it's more it's more pronounced now, having come back to it after uh, over ten years. But the whole package is still, I think, super strong, and it's for everything that maybe it gets wrong. I, d- I think the best thing is that it just it really does set up that world and the story and the characters. And it makes you want to continue in that universe, you know, even if the story's saying you're going to, but it's like, I haven't had enough. I, I want to know more. I want to learn more. Um, so yeah, definitely kind of like the best way you can, you can end uh, a first game in a trilogy. Um, and yeah, Ilos, holy crap, that place, that place still kind of really weirds me out with the way it, I mean, I know it's, it's a forgotten world that's fallen to ruin, but like all of the, the, the architecture and the sculptures, the, the really creepy sculptures that you see throughout the place, mm-hmm. it was kind of like, is this Prothean art or are these corpses? And it's very reminiscent of, of um, Geiger's work for Alien and all well, his artwork in general. Like it just seems like there was a certain homage they were paying to a lot of the sci-fi roots that we've had through the ages with this one of the first major like sci-fi RPGs beyond Knights of the Old Republic. But like this was their own IP, so they could make those callouts and not have to just use what's already existing. And okay. I found, yeah, it was definitely super creepy. And you're like, uh, the same question is like, did they all just kind of die frozen here? Which seems odd because they, they just accept their fate and just sit down on benches and let it happen. Or it's very it's stirring to see all these like very still, giant kind of creepy forms looming in the shadows. And the lighting does a really good job uh, with the way they have the lighting all set up to kind of cast those really extreme shadows on them too. Oh yeah, I love the lighting in Ilos for that reason. Yeah, definitely. And all the like the particulates that are in the air. It, mm-hmm. it, it definitely sells the feeling of this world just got uh it's been frozen in time and this is this is the ruins that uh, of what was once probably a really great city but everything's dusty and and messy and overgrown and it it's you're kind of left wondering what life was like here before the reapers um, okay, so I guess backing up just a little bit, then, since we're talking about Ilos, um, we have to talk, I guess, about Vermeer and and what everyone did on Vermeer, because that's one of those big uh, decision points uh, in any playthrough. Is who did who did you save? Who did you sacrifice? Did you did you save Rex? Did you kill Rex? Did you save Caden? Did you save Ashley? Uh, let's let's talk about the Vermeer survivor. Uh, I usually try and save Rex when I can. Usually, because mm-hmm. uh, I like I like him too much for me to just you know let, let him get get killed off. And he plays such a big role later on in the trilogy that uh, I feel like it's really important that you save him here. But uh, yeah. and, and Reeve is an asshole. So yeah, yeah. I, I strongly dislike Reeve. So I I tried to save Rex in my first game and it failed. So I made sure to actually be able to do that this time. So I'm like, <laughs> I want Rex. Damn it! I've never had Rex in 
any of my full playthroughs. So <laughs> it was nice to be able to do that. As yeah, I forgot it was even an option to lose Rex, to be honest. It yeah, just, I, I guess it's in that confrontation moment, I suppose. But it just, uh, yeah, just the way I, I had him as Renegade, but it just got to a point where there's that option of mutual respect kind of thing. So it just didn't really mm -hmm. become an option to off him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the the only the only way to actually to lose him is to not do his quest because side quest basically gets family armor. If you do that quest, then you're pretty much guaranteed to, to save him every single time. Yeah. Oh, I didn't do that, but I still had him at the end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I did that in my first game, and I lost him. So I don't remember back then how how I lost him. I just chose the wrong options, I guess, during the confrontation, but. It, it can definitely happen, is <laughs> all I'm going to say. I think Ashley, if you take too long talking, she'll just shoot him. Uh, so you know what? If you, I like, think that's what happened, actually. And she just, yeah. like... But I did have Shepard get, like, sort of pissed off at her for it, but obviously he was gone, and it was a little late at that point. That'd be really dramatic. Just like, Ashley, what the heck? Yep. I had this. <laughs> we were just talking. I had a gun in his face. I could handle it. I can take care of myself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, but to that speaking, note, yeah. Speaking, yeah, of, of Ashley, so who did everyone save? I'm very curious. For and did you romance the person that you saved? Or did you sacrifice the person that you were romancing? Um, I, I never liked Ashley, so she's almost always my sacrificial pawn. <laughs> I, I think there was maybe one playthrough where I was like, well, let's save her and see what happens. And I still don't like her in the, in the next two games. I've... um. Uh, what did you call it? Shepherd Prime? Prime Shep? Mm -hmm. uh, Alpha. Alpha, Alpha Shep. Shep. There Alpha we Shep. go. I'm getting there. Uh, <laughs> Alpha Shep, I uh, saved Caden, but this time around I wanted to do it differently, so I saved Ashley for this run and was also uh, romancing her because I had romanced Liara in the first one with Alpha Shep, so just wanted to see what her options was, but it uh, were. But it, it felt really... Um, like, it really ramped up the romance. Like, it, it, I found... They they played it subtle and coy when you are romancing Ashley, which is interesting. But out of nowhere, it all of a sudden just is like, okay, coy, 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 let's do this. Uh, after the dramatic <laughs> stuff that happens on Vermeer, and it just kind of came a bit out of nowhere. It just kind of lacked the the smooth, seamless storytelling. I think that they developed with the romances over the course mm -hmm. of the next couple of games, and then with the interactions that you have in like Dragon Age, for example, it makes a lot more sense to have those romances growing whereas this one it's mostly if you decide to go talk to them on the ship or not but there's really no growth to those relationships in the missions themselves they're just pawns mm -hmm. that you bring to shoot at things so it didn't feel as organic which is interesting going back and seeing that's one of the, the very few cracks the game has in its age yeah mm -hmm. that's one thing i kind of like more about dragon age's uh relationship and conversation system is being able to talk to your party members while you're out and about and actually have those full dialogue trees instead of having to always talk to your people on the ship. And like you said, too, having them also have a genuine opinion on what is happening as opposed to person A, whoever that is, has this opinion, person B has this opinion, doesn't matter who they are, as we discussed in the last episode. So it, yeah, right. it just makes it feel a lot more alive, too, with when you have the Dragon Age option. option. Yeah. I would kind of like that they put the Dragon Age uh, kind of way of you having characters actually influence the mission if they were brought along. That would have made things so much more yeah, organic and you know, would have given this character a lot more depth. 
Yeah, like, I mean, since they give you your, their opinions on the major decisions on every plot world, pretty much, um, up to Vermeer, it would have been interesting if, instead of just being a talking head, that they actually would have maybe did, done things differently or reacted to you differently. I mean, they, they can they can tell you their... Ashley and Caden will give you their opinion on the ship, but it's just like a... I think this... And I'm still cool with you. Yeah. I still wanna. I still wanna. You know, if you're romancing, I still wanna have sex with you. So. Yeah. You know. <laughs> still want to talk about my family slash. Still want to talk about poutine. Depends on Pretty much. <laughs> poutine and headaches, uh, I suppose. The foods of my people. <laughs> poutine and headaches. That's that's Caden in a in one yeah. little package. In a nutshell. Uh, who did you two um, uh, romance? Because, yeah, or all three of you, actually, cause I don't think you said either who you rom- romanced, uh, Caitlin. Uh, so I usually save Ashley um, oh. because I don't really care for Caden very much. <laughs> I, actually, I, 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 I Ashley, you know, some of her story annoys me, but I do find her backstory more interesting I do than Caden's. And having gone through Mass Effect 3 with both of them, she's got a way more fun hangout on the Citadel DLC than Caden. Caden's Citadel DLC hangout is so boring, even if you're romancing him. Yeah. For sure, he so is Mr. Boy. I, yeah. <laughs> he, cook, he, he cooks for you, for you, and if you're romancing, you cuddle. Whereas with Ashley, you get to go talk each other in a bar, and then, you know, together you, you beat up some drunks. Sorry, no contest, Caden, there. So I was like... Yeah, I'm sorry, Caden. Bye-bye. Um, I did kind of do something different with this playthrough. In the, usually I don't romance him at all because I just don't find, like him that way. But I had my Shep kind of flirt with him and sort of build what would have become a romance. And then, unfortunately, she had to sacrifice him. I kind of thought that would make for an interesting headcanon backstory of a a what-if scenario going forward. Because, of course, she's going to romance Garrus. Yeah. In a heartbeat, in Mass Effect too. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe a little bit of drama on Garrus's part. Like, would she really be with me if Caden were still alive? And you know, because because drama. Because drama. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm really bad at commitment. <laughs> <laughs> I get close to a friend and then I let them die. <laughs> so just um, be careful, Garrus. Yeah. And what about you, Liz? Um, I chose not to romance anyone because in my first, in my one playthrough prior that I actually been able to complete, I sacrificed, uh, Ashley. So I decided to sacrifice Keenan this time. Um, I thought about romancing him. I tried in my first playthrough and I failed and I thought about, well, maybe I could like successfully do it this time. Then I'm just like, never mind. First, I'm going to kill him. Second of all, I don't really like him. Plus, (laughs) same as you. I was just going to romance Harris in the second game anyway. So I'm like, sorry, (laughs) Caden. Nothing personal. (laughs) And so I had a different uh, playthrough this time. (laughs) And so as a result, I didn't romance anyone because my other option would have been Liara. And as we all discussed in the previous episode, I really don't like her. (laughs) Even if she's like really easy to romance. Which is surprising yeah, I don't for how either. closed off she is. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, the opposite because I usually romance Liara. I actually, I accidentally did, did it this time again because <laughs> she, she's just so easy to romance that I I, that I accidentally oh, exactly. did it. So, like, I was actually planning for this playthrough to do to not romance anyone because I wanted to tally in Mass Effect Two, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I messed up again. So I got to do. I guess I got to break <laughs> off the VR in Mass Effect Two. 
when I play through it. <laughs> Uh, or or you could you could romance you could romance Tali and then have Liara get all angry and jealous about it and layer the shadow broker. Exactly. I could. <laughs> Which I, I I fought for a split second about doing that because I love her comment about Garrus in that. Like uh, Oh yeah. Like, I hear I, I that. hear that Garrus is doing more than just calibrating the Normandy's guns and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> but in the end, I couldn't bring myself to do it because I just, yeah, like like Liz, I don't really like, I, I like her more in in two and three, but I just, I don't like her in really Mass Effect like 1. Yeah, same. <laughs> and I think that they kind of, I think Bioware might have picked up on that because they really did have her do a 180 in her personality and even her voice acting uh, changed. Um, uh, Allie Hillis kind of shifted she got much more breathy uh in in two and three and made her sound you know a bit gruffer which i like um yeah, and, but and it made her character gross because in one she's like not very well socialized at all and that's part of why she clings to you so hard whereas in two and three she went out and did all the stuff and basically became the shadow broker so obviously she's going sense. up and gone through some stuff so I think her uh, her vo- her uh, slight change in Allie Hills's voice was totally fitting. Uh, that said, I think she does get a little bit clingy in three, like a little bit. Uh, you can almost accidentally romance her there too, <laughs> but it's not quite as in your face as one. All right, well, let's move right along and let's talk about the bad guys a little bit. We we couldn't really discuss them in the first episode because we hadn't actually met all of them yet, but now that we've finished the game and we have the whole story, we can talk about Saren and Sovereign and the Reapers and wow. Like, I I remember the first time I played through when you first meet Sovereign on Vermeer, the holograph of him, and you, 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 you realize it's not just a ship, it's a Reaper, and you sort of get a sense of how Reapers think and mm-hmm. their whole, like, we are unknowable, we are super powerful, there's no way you can defeat us, we are going to kill all of you because we are your, whatever. I thought that was such a cool moment. That's, yeah. like, that expanded yeah. the universe, like, tenfold there to have that backstory uh, thrown into you. And then when you you, you, you you learn more about the Protheans on Ilos from, from the Vigil and you understand about the extinction of the Protheans and and why uh, why Sovereign needs Saren to do his, his bidding. And the whole thing was just so super cool. I still, it's one of the, my favorite moments, I think, ever in an RPG is that, is that meeting Sovereign and sort of piecing together the real story yeah. that no one in the universe, no one in the galaxy knew up until now about the Protheans and what happened. Mm-hmm. And then they still don't want to believe it when you bring it forward. Right! Exactly! That damn council. I just love the gravitas of that performance. It's probably one of the best performances in the game is that first meeting. And I had completely forgotten about it because it's just been so long since I played it. When I got back there, it was it was mm-hmm. a kind of a nice surprise discovery again. of like, oh yeah, these people. I, mean, I knew they were part of the, the whole thing, but I just forgot about this moment where you are first introduced to them and just how heavy it is. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, like the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, Sovereign is just so dismissive. And that yeah. just, like, is yeah. exuding from its presence and from its voice of just, like, I'm monologuing, it's true, but really, you're so beneath me. <laughs> <laughs> it was that kind of moment where you're just like, wow, we're actually screwed if this, ha- if this uh, ha- invasion happens. 
Yeah, just like looking at Sovereign and just realizing that, oh my god, there's there's a whole fleet of him coming. Like, I don't know how I feel about this. A little bit terrified. <laughs> and then you put all the pieces together too about like how the mass relays actually kind of look like their design and mm. all that sort of stuff too. And you're just like, oh gosh, that I loved. nope. They, they it's got the it. It looks like just like a Reaper. Together. And you're just like, uh oh. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's when it's, I love uh, that they worked that in though. I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Even if like, the realization is like, oh, bleep. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then when it like latches onto the citadel, and you just yeah, it, you're like, oh yeah, mass relay right there. I see it. Yep. Yeah, that was an awesome moment too. I mean, like, it makes you go back and sort of reanalyze everything that the game has told you about the citadel and mass relay technology. Yeah. Up to that point, and you're like, oh. And it's kind of like that classic story that, yeah, we found toys and we're just like, well, these are ours now, obviously. Like, does the universe collectively decide, like, well, no one else seems to be using them and didn't really yeah. look too hard into it. Finders keepers. <laughs> right? The yeah. Reapers yeah. Are like, and, perfect. And the Reapers are just like, this is the perfect, we, we know you, you organics will discover it like this and use it like this. It's perfectly yeah. fine by us. And I guess it, it makes a certain amount of sense because you see how... Um, you see how superioristic the council races are and how it's all just like, this is the way things are, this is the way we do things, everything goes according to our design or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, like, on the one hand, it's like, you people are stupid, but on the other hand, it makes sense that they would just come here, find this technology, assume that they had mastery of it, and that that was that. Was that. They kind of exude that sort of haughty haughty sort of i don't have to really you know be bothered with super hard critical thought because i'm so powerful old ancient whatever uh kind of going on there so and you know it works to their downfall eventually but you know i don't know it's the reapers i'm sure probably knew full well because we, we have no clue like how many cycles they've been doing this, but they probably have been doing it for a while and they can predict how uh, intelligent races are going to react to this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Until, of course, the Protheans get a last-minute save in there and screw up their their plans with the uh, the Keepers, which also was... That was a really cool moment to learn yeah. Uh, yeah. what the keepers are and how they function and how how they use them, the Protheans use them in the end to to give that sliver of hope uh, for the next cycle. So Saren, Saren's an interesting mix in here because you spend three-fourths of the game thinking that he's the big bad, that he's the He's the primary enemy and learning about, you know, when you, once you learn about the keepers and why Sovereign even needed him in the first place and you learn about how he's totally being indoctrinated, even though he doesn't want to admit it. Mm-hmm. How do, do we, how do we feel about Saren? Do we, do we like him as a bad guy? Do we, did, did anyone end up feeling sorry for him at the end? Did anyone at the very end convince him to kill himself? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I usually go like the full like persuasion option in, in this huh. game. So in the end, I just convinced him to kill himself. I forgot that was an option. I think. He... Oh, so you you fought him? I did fight him, and again, as I remember it being the first time around, I, the the fight was very underwhelming. 
Yeah, he's 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 a wuss. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I had a sniper rifle mastery, so it was a little hard to track him. But I found just Tally and Garrus just ripped him up, and I really didn't have to do much work. Nice. Yeah, the renegade option of getting him to kill himself is basically Shepard telling him there's one way to end this, Saren, or something like that, if you've got the guts. And then he's yeah. and then the Paragon way, which I looked on my YouTube like some years back, was like he kind of like opts himself into it, and Shepard's like, no, and he just kind of does it anyway, if I recall. And is that <laughs> um, well, so Shepard's trying to convince him that he can save himself, but then but then Sarah comes to the realization that he can't save himself, so they kill himself. Uh, yeah, pretty much. And is that if you've kind of mostly maxed out your renegade and or paragon options? Because uh, um, I think I was it, one shy of the last like chunk of renegade stuff. It's based on it's just based on your charmer intimidate points. Um, it's a it's a lower check if you charmed or intimidated him on Veermeyer. Uh-huh. Um, it drops down to like a nine point check, I think, if you did that. Otherwise, it's I think a max check. Gotcha. Yeah, and I, I wasn't at max because my renegade wasn't high enough for me to max out my um, intimidate. Always more play. Things. Always more play with the max specs. Always more things you can do. Yes. Yeah, and do it on insanity. <laughs> I do want to try that out. I'm really curious to see what that brings I'm, to the game. Uh, I just some parts of the game are hell because there's some difficult. Yeah. Um, really, really fast. I of course convinced Saren to, to oh, kill yeah. himself, renegade style, because I, I, and ultimately like the renegade version of that. Uh, that much more than the the paragon one, um, and it's just like you know, like it, it felt like it made sense, even if you know. The, the the conversation doesn't necessarily flow as organically as it could have. It does kind of feel like at the last second, Saren realizes what he's become and whatnot. You, you, I, I don't know. It, it would have been maybe a little bit better if that had flown a bit more organically. But ultimately, I just like the idea that you you still ultimately find the the humanity, the Turianness. I don't know uh, <laughs> in him. And get him to, to you know, pretty much take the only way out that he can. It doesn't, it doesn't horrible. Um, but, yeah, Saren, I mean, he's cool. One thing I find interesting about Saren is he doesn't look like any other Turian in any of the games. He really like, he doesn't. Has, yeah. It's, and it's not even just, like, the, all the little... Um, Modifications. Mechanical modifications that he has, which are also yeah. really weird. I mean... Really creepy. But yeah, so. I feel like I feel like that should have been something that happened gradually over the course of the game. That he starts out not looking like half a machine, and then by the end, because I always assume that those meant were meant to be basically the um, the implants that yeah. Saren gives him. Mm-hmm. I agree. But, but to be fair, I, I, like, I, sorry, I, go ahead, Nathan. No, I was going to because the induction we can see what comes to Doctor Nick is because the elusive man in, in two and three is kind of look like that. Yeah, yeah. I always took it as just, uh, yeah. his war wounds and stuff at first because I'd forgotten about the fact that he gets modifications and stuff. And I always took it as uh, just all of his years in combat and stuff. He was he's just yeah. taken the odd in- injury and such like that, and then has just gotten implants to kind of keep going. So he had like a hose to like repair like a ruptured lung or something like that. And then once you get to the end, it's just like, oh, I've got all these implants. I'm like, oh, those have always been there, man. You only just <laughs> deciding to use them now. Yeah, right? <laughs> I do, and I do think he's been indoctrinated for like a really long time going by the book that uh, takes place a good while before Mass Effect 1. Yeah, that's true. Like, even then, he, he have... was already like 
he was already like way into the indoctrination more than he'd like to admit. <laughs> but he also he also has that weird fringe on the side of his head that you don't see in any other Turian in any of the games at all. Like no Turian has that weird side fringe going on, which I, is nice. I mean, it makes him unique, but I always find myself wondering Okay, so what's the story behind that? Is that, a, like, a rare thing? Does it mean anything? Is it, like, is he old? Is it maybe an age thing? Mm. Do they, like, do they grow extra fringe as they get older? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. But, uh, and I don't know if, I, I haven't bothered to look through and see if there's any backstory uh, from the developers as to what was the idea there. Or, because it could just be, hey, this makes him look cool and more badass. Yeah. So, so, Yeah. Did we kill the only Tyrion unicorn? <laughs> uh, well, maybe. New New uh, Mass Effect One DLC: The Last Tyrion Unicorn. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Um. Well, okay. That's the bad guys. So let's talk about the other bad guys, and that would be the Council. Because, I mean, let's be real here. They're, and I'm I'm sorry, we try to be PG here, but I'm just going to say it. They're a bunch of dicks. They really are. <laughs> who, doesn't, who doesn't love bureaucracy? Guess who killed the council? <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. My, I'm going to do the one who saved them time. because I'm Paragon. I, sa- I saved them, too. Okay. Yeah, I saved them with Alpha, but this one time I murdered them. And, and yeah, it's just interesting, the option that comes afterwards and the choices you can make to be like, we're taking over. I'm like, oh, wow, that's this is an angle that went real dark. I'm really curious yeah. how this will play out subsequently. Yeah. yeah, that was really interesting. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I don't see that before. Because in Aspect 2 and 3, it makes more sense to have the council alive the whole time because it just flows better as a story. Because in yeah. Aspect 2 and 3, you never see the uh, the human council. And in 3, the, in three, the, the council, the, like the council of Asari, Slayer, and Zaturi in the back anyway. So it's almost like it doesn't even matter in Mass Effect 1. Yeah, yeah they're just That's how I felt. slightly different versions, colored colored versions, whatnot. Yeah. And I'll, I'll fully admit part of my decision, I mean, most of it was role-playing because my shepherd wouldn't let them die. But I also, I don't like on Mass Effect 2 if you kill the council Everyone on the uh, in the wards hates you or hates humans, and yeah, that's that always felt super uncomfortable. And you don't get some of the really funny conversations, like the the um, the guy who runs the adventure travel service, who like once you tell them who you are, he's like, "I'll name my firstborn after you." Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of just I need that that one scene because it's so stupid. Um, so it's like. Okay, I'll keep the council alive for that. But you figure like the other, like the Volus and the Elcor might be happier. Like there's there's openings. There's two more spots now. We're looking at yeah. you. Now exactly. just, just three humans instead. <laughs> Which is just interesting. interesting. Or, I was going to say. Um, three Elcor. <laughs> oh my gosh, nothing would ever happen. Hashtag three Elcor. No, yeah. They'd be talking about it like decades later. Right? <laughs> They're like the tree. A single conversation. <laughs> Um, for that matter, I guess, Liz, did you, who did you choose to have take over? Um, I still chose, uh, Anderson. You did? Me too. Didn't feel right to choose what's his face. As renegade as I was, I could never ever stand Udina from the beginning. So, like, and 
even so, that's, that choice still doesn't matter in the future games because he's like, oh, I got stuff to do. So, And then Udina's still doing what he's doing in Mass Effect 3, regardless of what you chose. It's like, well, <laughs> at least yeah, The only thing that happens is that Udina will, will let you become a Spectre again, and no matter what the choice is. That's the only thing that. Oh, yeah. It's not worth it, though. Yeah. It's not, that, that, that guy deserves to get snubbed. And I'm also curious uh, when it came time to break the Normandy out of the Citadel. Did anyone choose to have Anderson go sucker punch Udina, or did, did Hell we all go yeah. to? Hell yeah! Yep, yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I did that with my alpha, but this time I had him go down to the controls, and he got shot. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, should I kill Anderson?" But and I felt really bad, especially <laughs> yeah. after the conversation we'd had on the first episode and likening him to uh, the Mass Effect dad. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I've killed our dad!" And I felt terrible, but thankfully he was there in the end and fine. I was like, "Okay, good." Okay, yeah, I've never done that. Pick that option. So yeah, no, never, never pick that option. Even when I was renegade, I just like punch, 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 punch you know. He does still sucker punch someone, but oh, I think it's a Turian guard. He just comes up and clocks him, and then just starts doing it's, stuff. It's, and then it's not as satisfying. Not satisfying. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, shoots him. I wanted to, but um, I like the sequence with the down at Seasick um better. It it feels a bit more epic. That, and especially with the music, I, mm. I really wanted to punch Udina, but I was kind of like, eh. that was just me being picky because I'm like, I want the scene to be perfect. <laughs> this is my perfect movie, my magnum opus. Uh, it is. You feel very much like you're in control of, yeah, kind of directing a big sci-fi epic by the end of it all, and the world, the role that you've played in it. <laughs> And you gotta get the shot just right. Yeah, and I wonder, like, for people playing it through the first time who don't have any preconception of of uh, what their options will mean. Like, there's a definite, a certain excitement. But yeah, do you found? Did you find? I guess going back into it the second time, you had a certain color of like the beats you wanted to hit throughout the story specifically. Yeah, definitely. In terms of both, like where I went and how I responded to certain things. I mean, I. I played the game multiple ways enough times to know, you know, if I pick this option, what a shepherd say. And so it's always, a, it's, it's less, I, I was metaing, I guess, a little bit, metagaming a bit by picking the options I wanted to hear and sometimes and not necessarily pure role playing. But there's just some really good lines in this game that even if it's not necessarily in line with my shepherd's alignment, I was just like, I, I can't, I can't pass this up. <laughs> Like, like, like when, like my quote and my, my nickname, you assume I give a damn. Like, yep. I'm not really sure my shepherd would actually be that dismissive, especially standing in front of a nuclear weapon, but it's just such a good quote. Oh, and the, uh, your grasp of the obvious is inspiring. I, I would not be that, that dismissive <laughs> to my, to my squat mates, but it just can't, it can't resist. <laughs> just the way she says that, I was- just like, oh my god, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's a sick burn. It really is. It's pretty, uh, it's like you've just done permanent damage. Were <laughs> <laughs> this a telltale game, she would remember that. Holy crap, I didn't realize you had inferno ammo in your gun, Shepard. <laughs> Jeez. That's half the fun with a game like this. I know, right? With any Bioware game, really, is finding the hilarious quotes and then abusing them. <laughs> I'm going to ask Lara on a date, but she shot me with cryo ammo. Oh, she gave you the 
cold shoulder. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yes, her aim is very good. <laughs> Shot through the heart. And you're to blame. I could keep going probably, but maybe, maybe I should. All right, audience, thanks for sticking with us for this long. Uh, we're sorry to alienate you all, but it's been great. Let's talk about the Mako, because that's what everyone I think was waiting for is to hear us <laughs> bitch about the Mako. So, Mako's the worst thing ever in a video game. It is. It's so bad. I find myself imagining, okay, there must be some really good restraints or anti-grav inside the cabin of that thing because the amount of times I went tumbling end over end just trying to get over, even not even necessarily a mountain, but just like a medium-sized hill, there were so many of them. And I fully expect that all of my squad hates Shepard with a burning passion whenever she talks about going to Nuncharted World because they're like... You cannot drive with a damn shepherd. I would just and think it'd be so like, hilarious. I'd like if, to see you guys try. Right? I think it'd be hilarious if you just like, yeah, did one of those like random weird tumbles down a mountain or just took a jump and landed it in a really weird snappy way. And like the Mako's in perfect health, but suddenly she's like, boom, 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 game over because they all snap their necks. Yeah. <laughs> It's really hard to imagine how they don't. Right? The it's, way that oh. that it's thing like, runs. It's like, is this a Rocky Mountain or is this a Bouncy Castle? Like, what the hell? <laughs> well, it's, um, for me, especially with the levels that it's uh, relegated on for the missions, it just feels like the developers kind of looked over and were like, hey, Halo had a weird wonky vehicle. Let's do that thing. People seem to really like that. And then they kind of did it because the controls do feel very similar in a lot of ways. Cause even I find controlling the, the warthogs very weird and backwards, but they just don't yeah. have that same amount of bounce. There's more weight to the, um, to the, the warthog. warthog. Yeah. Whereas this one it is not. And it's also funny too, that each planet you go to, even though it's, it dictates that like, Oh, they have this gravity or that gravity or whatever. Like it all feels the right. same. It yeah. really does. I, um, I remember being stuck trying to climb, climb a mountain for like five minutes. So, and I remember actually getting stuck in a hole. For some reason, there's like four sharp, oh. like really steep hills around me. I did and have I to restart like, once because of that too. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I I I feel like sometimes it's not just the Mako that's the problem. It's the terrain. Like all of those. Yeah, way too many sheer cliffs. Yeah. yeah. Which brings that, me to Nota Crux. Oh God. Is the the that was the planet that made me go like, oh my gosh, why am I doing any of this anymore? Like, I I was just trying to get to one point yeah. for a good half an hour because it just was, I don't know who designed where to put, like, the points of interest, but, like, two of them were just near impossible to get to. I was like, okay, I'm going back to Skyrim. I'm getting a horse because <laughs> Mako is not cutting it. <laughs> Mako rim. Love all the horses in Skyrim and climb the mountains, but the stupid advanced vehicle can't. And, like, the jets do nothing. <laughs> it was like, yeah. it, they're, like, detrimental. Like, what was the point, yeah, honestly? yeah. It's, it's they never you, help you. Yeah, every time you're stuck, they just makes you fly like off of the mountain. And there's never an obstacle that you require them for. Like I could see it if you had to like hop a lava flow or something. If you had to, like, yeah. you know, that would have been kind of yeah. neat. But like, there's nothing ever interesting enough to use them for with that. The only thing that they're possibly good for is dodging missiles and, yeah. and uh, energy blast from Geth uh, Colossus, Colossi, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, but even then, like, it's just so much easier just to move back and forth and strafe instead of having to time the jump right. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah, yeah, they're, 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 there's no point. I've also just used the gestures to crush things. Like, yeah, I can see that. 
<laughs> That's the only thing. I'm for. <laughs> and um, and I guess to that point, like I found myself even with a lot of missions when I was encountering some of the stuff. Uh, especially once I got my Spectre sniper rifle, I would get out of the vehicle and kill them because it got, gave me more experience. And I was really oh, trying yeah, to get getting really a higher level. So, and the gun on that thing is so stupid; it only moves horizontally. You cannot, you cannot. If you're not, if the Mako is not in the right position, if you're like too high, oh, you're elevation. Or too low. Oh yeah. oh yeah, yeah. You can't shoot anything, and well, it's stupid. It's flaws, and things get close to you. <laughs> Yeah, it's so stupid. At least it's powerful. Yeah, I hated shooting in that you thing. Just, like, kill anything with it. Yeah, the cannon. The cannon's really powerful. So, and it has a pretty uh, generous uh, cooldown period. Yeah, so you can it's use satisfying it when you often. hit things with it for sure. But it's just exactly yeah. like I enjoyed that part of it. Um, it was definitely powerful if you could land it. But like in general, I I really hated shooting with the Mako. It was just like awkward and. <laughs> I missed way more often than I'd like to admit. Um, like, I did like driving around it and exploring with it. Um, it was kind of, it was also almost kind of fun, like trying to take on the challenge of like climbing a steep hill. And it actually worked a lot for me. I mean, it de- definitely tumbled in those weird angles, but I liked the makeout sometimes, but mostly I hated on planets like Novaria, where I had to actually shoot things. <laughs> uh, I, really, I, I, pref- I preferred it during story missions, actually, because I preferred when I didn't have to climb up anything. I prefer when I could just use it as a, as a tank, but uh, yeah, and it just has like a, like, a yeah, an uncharted world. It's kind I, just of, I just couldn't deal with it. It was just a pain. It's kind of telling that the uh, for the plot worlds you don't have extreme uh, angles to climb or whatnot. It's all usually a straight, yeah, uh, flat line. So that was nice, which I'm grateful for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the worst thing with that with the Mako is having to when you climb a mountain and you eventually you get to learn enough times the precise angle at which mm-hmm. you can just barely Scrape make up. progress versus you... versus no you're going to start backtracking and oops you yeah. you just fell down the mountain you were trying to climb for five minutes. I get yeah. no to cracks. I usually tackle mountains at forty five degree angle just because that's the angle it seems to work at. Yeah. yeah. But it seems sometimes so random. It's like there's barely any difference, and ju- this one is just or or if you angle in the right direction too, you can't always go yeah. straight up. Yeah, you gotta kind of cross yeah. to the right or the left slightly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I may have experimented with that way too much, <laughs> just seeing what angles I can get away with. And I mean, I could have driven around the mountain too, but that's no fun. And then the planets themselves were so like sparse and lifeless and in a mm-hmm. lot of ways like i mean the whole thing yeah. just kind of seemed again very tacked on uh, like they had the idea and they just yeah. didn't get to quite fully explore it and so okay. it's just you have all these planets and like you'll see a description i forget which one it was there's something saying like this one is largely like water-based uh and has lots of big beautiful oceans and such and yada yada, yada. but where we are i don't see any water whatsoever joker just decided <laughs> to land us in like the one section where you can't see water for miles but it's just Thanks, joker. you know but even like yeah if they were able to program in some lakes or something like that like i mean that's part of the fun of um vermeer yeah. like, it's just really neat going up yeah. alongside the oceans and they gave you roadblocks so you couldn't just go off into the ocean like they definitely gate kept what they wanted you to have access to and they possibly could have gotten away with that here too and like the same cows are in like all these various di- different um, planets. Is that the shifty cow? Shifty cow. I, 
I went up to him. He did not steal anything from me. I was very pissed, and I killed him <laughs> because he wouldn't steal anything from uh-huh. me. Oh, uh, you, you have to turn your back to him, and then then he'll steal stuff. I did. Okay. I did. I turned my back, and he didn't do anything. <laughs> I was like, shifty cow broke. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot you anyway, just because you're shifty. <laughs> I also killed all the monkeys. On the uh, the. Oh, the, I, I wanted to so bad about Paragon. The monkey. I did. I couldn't. I, I think that did. mission just could have been like, so much better annoying. contrived. Yeah. I agree. Like, it was just such a weird needle in a haystack kind of thing. Like, if they had had some sort of thing where it's like, oh, go down, like, capture one of the monkeys and we can, like, isolate, you know, their particular genome or something. Like, as opposed to just, like, no, it's just a go talk to all the monkeys quest. I, I like when your squad mates makes a really, like, uh, sarcastic quip when, when uh, you realize what you have to do. Yeah, I think it was Rex yes. for me and I forget what it was, but yeah. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, they just. They just seemed like they really underdeveloped a lot of what the planets had going on on them. And even, like, I got really yeah. excited for the couple of the ones that you go to that have, like, a meteor shower going on above. Yeah. And I was, oh, that's cool. And it'd be really nice to be like, I got to dodge these. That's cool. But no. Nope. Nope. The worst that you have is environmental hazards, which none of them are super dangerous because you they are all very generous with those timers that you have yeah. to deal with. So Everyone got close yeah. And then fresh your moths on occasion. Yeah, and thresher. Yeah, and I mean, e- even those. Like, once you learn how to deal with them, it's they're they're not dangerous at but all. Whatever so. reason, I got hit by them a lot. I'm not sure what I did my like my first like three three playthroughs of this game, but this time I kept getting hit by them every single time. Like they come up beneath me, and I'm just like, well, I never I've never been hit by them before. What is this? Yeah, I lingered too close once, but after that, <laughs> I never did. Yeah, really I got hit by acid once or twice. Yeah. The worst hazard for me, I would say, was snow because of the frame rate drop. Oh, yeah? Oh, great. <laughs> oh, yeah, 360 is bad with frame rate drops. Yeah, I was playing yeah. on 360, and I was also playing on an external hard drive, so I think it was just a little oh, bit more tough. sluggish, yeah. but it was still fine. Like, I didn't really have too big of an issue, and it wasn't, like, unplayable, but it was just kind of funny. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's really making it work. But it was still the, there. I think Theorem gave me a lot of frame rate issues when I was, like, going through the volcano. Area, it was just, yeah, it was just bad. But that's uh, very. I found uh, even throughout the entire game, like the graphically, I still find this game holds up really well. Like it, it still looked pretty solid to me, and I found yeah. there was very few cracks where I was just like, "Oh yeah, this is a ten-year-old game." Like it, it stands up pretty nice. There was a. We've definitely hit. Uh, we were definitely starting to go into a definite plateau in a lot of ways for the graph, the growth of graphical fidelity. Yeah, I, I think I think probably the place where it shows the most age is just the character models and the hair and stuff. Like um, that, yeah, which, uh, every single character when they're talking to you, they have the exact same uh, like they like put their hands like together, then they put them off to the side and stuff like that. It's, it's the same animation for every single character. The finger to you. point. Yeah, finger point. My favorite <laughs> one that everyone uses to like finger gun to get their point across. Yeah. They all picked it up from Anderson. <laughs> Space dad. He is space dad. <laughs> uh, well, so we talked about some of our least favorite worlds. Where, what were some of your, your favorite Uncharted worlds and or side quests to do? I can't remember the Uncharted worlds names, but there's one where uh, you have this really extended like like uh, text about uh, like getting some kind of vision after you visit the consort. She gives you like this, this object and you can plant it somewhere. I forget what plant Oh, right. Is. Yes. Oh, I never I think I think it's Notocrux, oh. but I can't remember. I think it might be Notocrux, but... 
But yeah, I know what you're talking about. You you find this little ruin off in a corner somewhere, and you, it gives you a little text sort of adventure that was really cool. Oh, neat. And I missed that. Yeah, I might have missed it. Yeah, you're like given the memories of, I guess, a Cro-Magnon or some sort of primitive human um, who discovers this weird spherical thing like watching you. It's like a protein of some kind. Yeah. Oh, it's like, I it's think like I some found sort the of root. surveillance thing. Yeah, I think I found the oh. thing where that goes into, but I didn't have the, the thing to activate the quest. I think I did find that. Okay. Oh, you didn't you didn't you didn't help the consort? I don't I guess not. Then not in the right way. I do remember helping her with something. <laughs> I don't know if I went back. I don't know. Okay, you guess probably didn't go back to talk to her again. It's possible. I remember because I do remember doing the thing and helping her out with the issue with um the drunk guy and all that sort of stuff, but uh, and the and I just general, the general thank yeah. you, yes. But I uh, and I did go back to her, but I don't remember her offering me anything beyond that, but I can't recall. Uh, I can't remember what it was. I don't know that whatever world it was I went to, like it was either just before or just after Notacrux, because I was going around just trying to complete the um, just some of the like collect the dog tags and collect the Tyrian symbols, just getting that stuff done just for my own completionist desires. Um, there was one like that was just, it was all smooth driving. It was great. And I was like, this planet, this planet is what I like. This is great. And then after it was either before or after Notacrux that just gave like the polar opposite. So I was like, see, why, why can't I have more of this? Yeah, <laughs> I just can't remember the name of it at all. But I just remember you get the odd one where it's got some nice stretches, and yeah, you got a bit of like mountains to climb, but like they're manageable. And it's it becomes the challenge and the fun of it is more just kind of analyzing the map and being like, okay, this looks like a route that'll get me where I need to go if I just kind of detour a little bit. Because there's definitely some reward instead of just trying to go straight from point A to point B. If you deviate a little bit and find like a nice natural ramp to take you up somewhere, it's great, right. and you feel super satisfied. That you're like, I've analyzed the world. But if you're just uh, trying to, like, bludgeon through it, as Shepard is wont to do, um, <laughs> it can be a lot more challenging. So, yeah, I found the worlds that where it was a bit more gradual driving and just a little more analyzing the terrain, just kind of figure out where, like, the peaks and valleys and where, like, the natural entrances and choke points were to get through was a lot more fun. Shepard yeah. likes to bludgeon. <laughs> Um, so my, one of my favorites is, and it's the reason why I chose the nickname I did, is this the one where you had to find the Alliance probe that is mysteriously in the exact opposite side of space oh, yeah. from where it was supposed to be. Mm. And oh, yeah. it's the whole bomb thing of the Terminus systems are trying to set a trap because, and it's largely just because of those quotes that you get to sass your party and sass, uh, uh, I can't remember his name, but the guy who, he, who's evil plans got thwarted during the skilling and blitz or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I found, I just liked all of those options. And then you have to, the whole thing about getting trapped in the mine, having to defuse the bomb and then getting through and then finding the camp and then killing the guy. It was fun. And the planet itself was really cool because it was nice and it was bright red because of the, uh, the star that, that it was near. So I always liked that one a lot. Um, and I also like the, the, I can't remember the name of the planet, but when you find tombs and you're dealing with the missing scientists. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's good. I actually like, yeah. that was one of my favorite too. Yeah. I especially because my shepherd, uh, both my alpha shep and the shep both had the Akus background. So it was, it was kind of personal, uh, to them to, to, to meet tombs and to, hear what Cerberus I mean at that point I'd already finished the Kahoku mission so I already knew Cerberus was bad news yeah but like, mm. yeah 
Yeah, I'd forgotten they've been hinted at in this one. Yeah, yeah. the Kahoku mission is probably the the big setup for like kind of knowing what Cerberus is from Aspect Two. Mm -hmm. It makes more sense that Shepard would know more about Cerberus after doing that mission in Aspect Two because in Aspect Two you just kind of presume that they know who Cerberus is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Liz and Nate, do you guys have any favorite side quests or Uncharted worlds? I mean, there's that there was the one where you find that artifact. So after you do a concert mission, right. they put it there, and then there's the Coco side quest. I, I like that side quest chain as well. I also liked. Um, I know I talked about it sort of last episode, but there was um, missions based on your background. Like there's one based mm -hmm. on if you. Like if you're Earthborn or whatever, and there is also missions based on like if you got seventy five percent Paragon or Renegade. The Renegade one was fun because like Hackett's basically like, um, I'm not telling you to kill people, but just go do this mission, <laughs> and just he he knew what you were gonna do. And the other the other one was like running into your old gang leader. There was one, um, I think I missed it this time, but there was one where you, because uh, when you're ruthless, you. You basically kill your whole squad, and then your your one commander above you basically got like PTSD from that. And he's like, when you meet him, he's like, "Oh, I'm like so so messed up because of you." Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that was just a really really interesting like having a little bit con continuation from like or continuity from what kind of backgrounds you chose. So I thought that was like a cool touch. I, again, I know we sort of talked about the last episode, but I really like that they did that. I mean, they weren't like really big missions or anything, but just the fact that they did that was pretty cool to me. Yeah, I definitely like those. Um, the Akuz, well, not the Akuz one, the uh, Soul Survivor uh, or Colonist background one, mm -hmm. uh, where you have to talk down the girl was always kind of tugging at my heartstrings for my, my Alpha Chef. And uh, the one for Spacer, where you have to... You meet, and that, that was, this is the really cool thing about that mission is that you meet one of your mom's old uh, um, crew members, and you find out that he actually went to Mindwar. He was the first responder, one of the first responders for the attack on that colony. Mm -hmm. And that was always really cool to me to see, like, I didn't choose colonist background this time around, but I'm very familiar with it, having had previous shepherds, and kind of neat to have to see that connection um, with a different uh, personal background quest kind of come in. Yeah. And, I mean, that, I also liked that quest because you could talk to Shepard's mom, and it's like... Yeah. I, it would have been cool if, you know, we could have, like, seen her, but I guess that would have been difficult based on how you customize your Shepard, so... Not quite Mass Effect Andromeda, where you, you can make your dad look different based on how you make your writer appear, but... Uh, but yeah, it was really nice that they threw in those uh, both personal background missions and also had side quests that had implications depending on your service history. So, mm -hmm. um, and had people recognize you for your service history throughout the game. So yeah, um, and I mean, like it's it's not like it gets super complicated. It's not like you have super big branches depending on that. But it was still, I think, for the time especially, kind of impressive to. To say people are going to react to you differently based on your your personal your history, history based yeah. on your service history. So yeah, and, and I do like that they touched on the other backgrounds like Mindor and all that. Even if you didn't necessarily choose that, I like that it still comes up. And you know, they don't like totally erase it just because you didn't choose it, which was pretty cool. Yeah. It's still part of the It doesn't happen in a vacuum. Yeah. 
I actually don't remember getting the Mindoar one ever in any of my playthroughs, but uh, I do remember the uh, Akus and uh, the Skillia Blitz backgrounds, the, the stories mm-hmm. that you get. They're, they're all pretty cool. It makes you give you, makes you um, your background actually mean something. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. This might be the, one of the first RPGs I played where you have that option to choose your background and have it affect things, and it's definitely, it was definitely a positive experience. So now whenever mm-hmm. I look at future RPGs, like, I don't know, I guess we don't have a whole lot of games where you are given the freedom to sort of define your own character. I mean, a lot of RPGs, especially, you know, you almost never see that in JRPGs. JRPGs are very sort of You're playing a story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, you're not making your own story. So, I mean, like, and even, like, um, big Western RPGs like The Elder Scrolls, you can make your own headcanon, but the game doesn't really give you any opportunity to pick a background. Yeah. And, so. and let it affect the overarching storyline. You, Yeah, you're just making your own choices. A la, you don't have like a DM who's taking that into account and adding it to yeah. the yeah. It's just whatever you choose to bring to it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aw, D&D. Mm-hmm. That's why uh, we talked about the last time, too. That it's, yeah, it's those little things that kind of show those D&D elements at the core mm-hmm. of like the Western RPG format that they tried to bring yeah. into this game. Yeah. Uh, well, since we're talking about quests, um, I think we all probably should have had access to at least one of these, but uh, did people, did you guys do um, either or both of the DLC missions, uh, bring down the sky and pinnacle station? I've never done Pinnacle Station, but I love Bring Down the Sky because there's actually a lot of content there. And I actually really like, you know, the asteroid and, like, the views of, like, the planet from it. And just, like, doing doing that whole quest to, like, basically save them. So I, I've always enjoyed that quest. Or- yeah, it was really cool. Kind of an Armageddon kind of thing yeah. where you're... You're on the asteroid as it's barreling toward the planet. Only this time you're not trying to blow it up. <laughs> yeah. And just going around to like Everett's course or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and it was it was cool to see the Batarians. Yeah. You don't see Batarians anywhere else in the game, even though they get mentioned. Oh, is they they actually brought the Batarians into that part? That's cool. I had done never yeah. done the DLCs myself and I didn't take the chance to do them on this one, but uh I forgot even that they existed to be honest. But I'm like, oh, this is a thing yeah. I'm probably gonna do in a future playthrough. Yeah, because if you don't play Bring Down the Sky, you don't see Batarians from Mass Effect 2. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aside from just yeah, their entry in the uh, codex. Yeah, that's all. That's all there is. So it, that was that was nice. Um, it was kind of fun, and it's 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 not like it's a super large piece of DLC, but it's it'll take you like an hour, hour and a half to two so hours, bad. maybe max. That's a nice little extra um, bit of content, as long as it's meaningful storytelling. Yeah, and there's you know. There's a handful of characters you can you can do different things. There's a big moral choice to make at the end, which has um, doesn't really have super major consequences for Mass Effect Two, but at least gives you some some more insight into the world. And it's it's kind of nice to set up um, DLC in Mass Effect Two, where you have to end up going into Batarian space and whatnot. Yeah. It's nice to hear that it influences in that way. Yeah, and it was kind of funny, like having my shepherd react to them, like. Because, of course, in the ruthless background, you, like, basically killed a bunch of Batarians. So when she first sees them, <laughs> she sees them show up and bring down the sky, you're like, Batarians, in, like, this really, like, disgusted voice. And it just felt so fitting. I don't know if, like, that's how she normally says it, but I just thought that was perfect. <laughs> did you um? Did you end up 
going after Balak, or did you let him go to save the the hostages? I decided to be nice and let him save the hostages. So I think I actually killed him in my first playthrough. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, you know what? We we need to like actually save people and be nice every once in a while. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I let him renegade. go too. <laughs> I believe it. And I, uh, Nate, what about you? Uh, this uh, DLC actually didn't play, so I'm not sure. I don't have much comment on it. Aww. Um, well, I actually did Pinnacle Station for the first time on this playthrough because it came with my PC uh, version. Oh, okay. I never bothered buying it on 360 before. Because, um, I mean, I knew what it was back then. It was just, it's, it's, it's simulator fights with barely any, really, like, a minuscule amount of story. Um, so I never bothered before, but hey, it's, it's included. Uh, and it's, it's simulator fights with barely any story and a really crappy apartment at the end. Like, I'm probably just a little bit jaded because the apartment that you get from Anderson and Mass Effect 3 is so swank. So beautiful. <laughs> you gotta start somewhere, though. The one you get from though. Station is so horrible. It's like a, it's a studio apartment in which I could not for the life of me figure out where the bathroom was. There's no bathroom in this apartment. Literally <laughs> unplayable. <laughs> so, like, I don't know how a person lives there. I mean, I've been asking about that myself about that, about uh, Pokemon houses for years, but... <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's on a, a Mars-like kind of planet, all red and dusty and with no real no real pretty vistas to look at. So I guess if your dream was to have an apartment on Mars, that might work. But it's just like, it was kind of underwhelming. Um, and the whole DLC is kind of underwhelming. The the the, um, the fights are just, it's more combat. And you the only way to, to get all of the, the content and all the story is to, you have to beat other scores. Um, which I actually... <laughs> I had to lower difficulty in order to do some of the challenges because some of them were just really difficult for me to manage on a even a normal difficulty. So, and I'm not, I'm, you know, I surprised, I've said it before on podcasts, I'm not afraid. I don't feel any shame in lowering difficulty if I have to to get through content. So I was like, okay, you want me to beat your stupid score killing a certain number of bad guys in a certain amount of time? Fine. I'm going down to casual. <laughs> I'm going to casually beat this. Yeah, it's yeah, I it's. Like I honestly, I would say you don't don't feel like you need Pinnacle Station at all. There's there's absolutely nothing of it that, as far as I know, carries over into the other games. Or if there's anything, it's incredibly minor. Because there's really so, no I mean, the, plot device to it. Yeah, yeah. The only I guess uh, advantage to it would be is that you can you can contact smugglers from your apartment and you can spend credits to get a random item. And they can you can you can choose different tiers so you can spend more credits to get like higher level items and you can I think in theory get stuff like Colossus armor. Oh, I really? don't know if you can get Spectre gear, but you can get some of the better armors in the game. But it's random, so you have right. to like it's a gotcha like game. save scum. Yeah, it's a gotcha game. <laughs> it's a gotcha game. Oh my god! So <laughs> at least it's at least it's in-game currency and not real money. That's true. But, yeah, yeah. It just yeah, uh, station is just kind of like. Don't do it. It doesn't sound like it has a lot of like end game value. It's more like it could be valuable if you do it early on in your save to try and maybe get some fun random equipment. But yeah, once you've already beaten it and have millions of credits and are just like, whatever. 
Yeah. Yeah, I maxed out on credits several times. I had to I had to specifically go and just buy some random crap in order to lower my money so I could yeah. not waste money by uh by finding all the uh the gases and metals and the random artifacts and crap that I of course, obsessed over getting because I want to make sure that when I meet Conrad Werner in Mass Effect 3, I have all of the required things to get him to help me. Right. Oh, Conrad. <laughs> oh, Conrad. Yes, oh! oh I forgot about What did we do about Conrad? Did and did we all shove our guns in his faces or in his face? Maybe. I told him to go, I told him to go home. <laughs> <laughs> I only started his quest. I never got back to finishing it. Yeah. Oh, I wonder what he'll how he'll respond in Mass Effect Two then. Yeah, that's curious actually. Isn't he bugged in Mass Effect Two? Like he reacts a certain way no matter what, or did they ever like patch that? It's I know for sure it's bugged on 360. I don't know if it's bugged on PC. I still put my gun in his face because I I, I went to YouTube and I watched the Paragon version. I don't like it as much. I I like his. You were you were my hero. Oh, and then he shoved a gun in my face. I learned what it's like to be truly extreme. I just. I love that. That was, that was so, so I funny. My face. Yeah, Conrad. Yeah, that was hilarious to me. Like, I just like, all right. I guess I just can't assure you, or at least it's very hard to. <laughs> oh, Conrad. Um. Okay, so I think we're gonna wrap things up here. But last, the last thing I wanted to touch on, didn't want want to forget about it. This is the soundtrack because I think there's. Yes. This is a, I mean, the whole trilogy's got great music, but this is the game that started it all, and it's really interesting and fitting soundtrack for the game. Lots of electronic, uh, there's not a whole lot in the way of, uh, of real organic instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, Very 80s totally synths. Kind of, yeah, 80s synths, it's perfect. Um, and I there's, it. I mean, the, yeah, it's good. I mean, I, I still think I prefer Mass Effect 2 soundtrack the most out of the three games, but there's definitely a lot of good stuff in Mass Effect 1 and just like even just the main Mass Effect 3 uh, theme sorry um that gets reused throughout the trilogy is iconic and Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I always get kind of disappointed when I fire it up and then I go into like my save load and as soon as it goes to uh, the loading screen you get like the whoop 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 of the mass relay and I'm sad mm-hmm. that like that main theme goes away cuz it's just so um so like introspective as part, as a piece of music. Um, I, I prefer Mass Effect 2's music as well. Overall, that one's like more cinematic, but I just like how sci-fi the Mass Effect one soundtrack was, and it it really like meshed with like the story and the graphics and everything. It was just like, yeah, I'm playing a sci-fi. And yeah, it like, brings yeah. it all together so nicely. Exactly, <laughs> and just how it fit with like the uh, the game, and it was um, and that Mass Effect theme. Oh my god! <laughs> and it's how I like boot up the game. Or even like uh, yeah. or start uh, a Which one? A vigil theme, the one on the main menu. That too, yeah, but also yeah. the Mass Effect yeah. theme, like when you're when you're starting up a game, and then it's yeah, that, that's my, one of my favorites. Yeah, the yeah, and it's leading up to like blah blah blah, and it was called Mass Effect, and it's just like, and it starts that music, and you get like goosebumps, like even at the end when you finish the yeah. game, same thing. It's like you, you conclude the story, and then you hear the Mass Effect theme again, and it's just like, ooh, more goosebumps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I just love it. I just love that theme. <laughs> it's, it's such a good theme. I love it. I also really like the uh, the outro the outro the ending song. Um, yeah, was so good. I, I used to play a lot in college. <laughs> <laughs> it feels. I wasn't expecting nice. that actually. Yeah. No, me neither. But it was it was catchy and it was different. 
I actually, like, for some reason, like, it reminded me of Garrus a lot, like, after uh, Shepard dies early into, and then Garrus is just kind of, like, kind of all depressed and lonely from it, so, like, and ever since, I'm still associated with that, just like, aw. I mean, obviously, it's not intended, because she didn't die till Mass Effect 2, but... (laughs) Yeah, but no, no, I get you, I totally get you, and I I kind of feel the same (laughs) (laughs) Even even before uh, Mass Effect Two was a thing, I was I was looking at that song and it was kind of because it it I don't know it. I need you to recover because I can't do this on my own. So it kind of sounds a lot like it's not a rom- romance specifically, no. but it sounds like you're talking to someone who's really important to you. So yeah. and who like really inspired you, and then just like you know, I need you to you know just kind of be there. <laughs> yeah, I'm far away. It's some good stuff. Yeah. It's some good stuff. The whole game is some good stuff. The whole series is some good stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One thing I did want to quickly speak to before we uh, wrap that up, too, with bringing up that opening video uh, that I kind of forgotten about. And I remember I just kind of let my playthrough sit for a second when I was starting up the game and that video went through. And that has that kind of proposed scenario of... Um, of the game of like, oh, there's this call coming in and you cut it off and you go somewhere else. I, that's one thing I really wish they had been able to capture in this game because I know that video and the whole theme of the the entire series is like making choices and your choices matter. But it still has a little bit of Legend of Zelda syndrome that like I can make those choices when I feel like it, but there's no like urgency. Mm-hmm. And I think it would have been really great if they could have made those things like, oh, if you choose not to answer this call, then yeah, that quest is now gone. Those people have died. You weren't able to help you, them because you, you chose messed to do up. this thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I yeah. get that That's that cool. kind of happens in your conversation strings, but it's never so much, it's never big enough to overall affect like an actual like quest outcomes, uh, mm-hmm. the uh, quest options, so to speak. Like you, it just would have been so great to like have, oh, yeah. you have like, you know, 20 in-game minutes to decide if you're going to go to this planet or not. And if you don't, well, then the quest is gone and those people are dead. And then that has an outcome further down or whatever. I thought that would have been really great if they could have captured what that video expressed. Mm -hmm. But we still got something really great out of that. And I'm sure it would have been very hard for them to do at the time. I'm sure that's what that was their proof of concept. And they're like, well, we almost did it. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Close enough. Exactly. And it's we still get some a lot of stuff where we feel like we have uh, uh, an onus over what we do as a character. But yeah, it just would have been really neat in any of those games not to have that whole like, well, the world's going to die. I'll get to it when I feel like it. I need to go I'll find to some minerals. Like 40 hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That <laughs> like, gold's not going to get itself. Yeah. Like you kind of don't get that sense of urgency, even though the situation sounds like really urgent. And it's like, okay, well, they're dying, but I can get to it. And like... For 30, 40 hours right? or so. <laughs> too long, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's a whole lot of Krogans down there because he's already started building the army because you took so long to get to Vermeer or something. Like, that just would have been really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> and they they kind of like, you know, when they give you the, the, the major plot worlds, you're told off the bat that... Um, Pharos is in is in bad is in bad straits. So you know that something has happened there, but you can choose to not go there until the last minute, and nothing changes. So. Right? It would have yeah. been yeah. You go there, and everyone's already enslaved or something. So fascinating. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're all already thralls, and you just have to kill them all, and then you just you, yeah. I don't You're know. just sad. So, yeah. <laughs> at the end of it all, him on his knees, that opening theme playing, just staring at his gun. Yeah, yeah. Drama. It's it's something that Bioware could definitely 
work on in the future, assuming that they are able to do so. Uh, I don't know. Anthem's not going to be that game. Um, no. Maybe maybe the next Dragon Age that we we know they're working on, but who knows when that's going to mm-hmm. come out? So yeah, because something they never really brought to Dragon Age either. Like that time matters. I haven't really seen any yeah. game capture that per se that I can think of off the top of my head. But at any rate, that was that was just. Oh just... well, you know, Mass Effect Two does kind of give you that. Oh really? You do actually have a time limit in Mass Effect Two. It's been a while, so I don't remember. But uh, basically, after um, it, de- it, it totally yeah. depends on how you do main story missions. But once the Normandy gets attacked by the Collectors and your crew gets stolen, you have a limited amount of time to do the final mission. It's a certain number of missions after the Normandy gets attacked that you have to do it. And I usually oh, you can totally right. ignore it. You can totally bypass that by just waiting to do the last story mission until you've done everything else. So they, they tried a little bit there. But even mm-hmm. then, like, again, all you have to do is just delay going to the last main story mission. And yeah. it's not a problem. So. Got it. I, I think you're given one, like, mission leeway. Like, I think you can do Legion's uh, loyalty mission because it's the last crew member you're yeah. getting to. So I think yeah. that's yeah, the that's only right. mission... That's the only leeway mission you get. Which, it kind of sucks, because I love Legion. I'd like to get him earlier and take him on other oh, I, missions I, I, and like, crap like that. I, I've been watching some of like, Mass Effect scenes, like when you take Legion onto Tally's loyalty missions, and he gets... Yes! <laughs> <laughs> and they're basically like, get your get off of my ship right now. I think what we're learning here is we're going to have to all get together and do a Mass Effect 2 playthrough sometime that in the future. Too. And, <laughs> sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. I can, yeah. I can do that. Yeah. Sure. That, that that will come. I'm sure it, it it may not be in the near future, but I guarantee you guys that's that's going to happen. Well, it's it ten year anniversary's got to be coming up shortly, so I'm sure we can catch it soon. Oh yeah, yeah. That's right. Mass Effect Two is what 2009, 2010. 2010. Yeah, something like that. So we're coming up on that either next year or the year after. So, ooh, so look forward to it. In the words of Square Enix, look <laughs> forward to it. In the words of Yoshida. <laughs> If it's from Yoshi P, I will look forward to it because Yoshi P delivers. The rest yes. of Square, uh... so well. but that—that that is a story for another a podcast. Whole other podcast. We have, Indeed. Yeah. I think we've we've had a really good conversation. We've talked about everything, so uh, let's wrap things up. And I'll do my usual outro uh, housekeeping things um coming up next on retro encounter next week is the uh it's the beginning of lunar month uh playing both lunar and lunar 2 all month next week is going to be part one of lunar silver star story so if you're a big lunar fan or if you've never played the games and you're interested please do check it out um it's gonna be a lot of fun i love lunar even though i've still not managed to beat either game i'm bad i've never played them i know very little <laughs> about them so my entire idea is that like a bunch of jrpg characters because i've seen at least the promo art and a cat or like a cat <laughs> dragon uh they're gonna go and build a shuttle and fly to the moon for the united states of america right that's lunar that's the silver star story yeah my experience oh. is the boat song and that's it <laughs> and i'm just like oh yeah God. oh it's such a good song it's oh. such a good song Either way, I really look forward to hearing about this because those are games that I'm sad I missed out on. So, yay. Go Lunar Month. I like that description. (laughs) (laughs) I will see if I'm right. Tune in to find out, folks. 
Uh, and if you want to get in touch with us about Retro Encounter, you can email us. at that's The email address is retro at rpgfan.com. You can also comment on our forum, our boards, uh, on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and the like. Um, you can also chat with us on our Discord server, which you can find uh, links to all of those on our website. And come talk to us about your experiences with Mass Effect or other retro encounter games that we've played. And just, you know, we love hanging out with uh, fellow RPG fans yeah. and RPG fan fans, both of you. <laughs> Um, also, of course, if you can, please uh, review us on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast from. Just, you know, give feedback so we can improve and so we can get the word out to other RPG fans about our fun little podcasts. Because yeah. of you, I've got and... a better mic for listeners. <laughs> you told me to get one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, we do listen to feedback. Yeah. Yes, we do. <laughs> well, not so. Uh, I need to get mine. <laughs> and then finally. And if you want to talk to us individually personally about stuff you can ch- uh, chat with us on well where can you chat with us on i am leon underscore kazerol on twitter on the boards and on discord uh what about the rest of you guys i am underscore salted earth on twitter and i'm also salted earth on discord although my name on the rpg fan discord shows up as just ava and i'm okay there we go. Uh, on twitter <laughs> I am at Greg Delmage, I believe. Uh, or am I at G Delmage? Oh, I forget. Oh, I think I'm at Greg Delmage. Uh, basically, if you search Greg Delmage, you'll find me pretty much anywhere between IMDb and Twitter and Facebook and such. And on the Discord, I go by G Delmage. If you want to find me and chat at me there, I've finally got myself involved a little bit on the Discord and saying Yay! hi to folks. Come to Discord. <laughs> that was worth it. We have cookies. Wow. <laughs> but you need to click to accept that there's going to be cookies first. Our policies have changed. <laughs> that is true. However, we do still have cookies. <laughs> and Nate. And I am at SmashKing27 on Twitter. And now on Discord, you can find me um, just SmashKing and same on the boards. Were there other SmashKings right. on Twitter that beat you to it? Yeah, I'm guessing. Plus 27 is also the... I have my, my blog that, that I haven't written in quite some time. But that's the reason why it's 27. It's because that's what me and my blog. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been a fun time with you guys. I loved playing this game again. I love chatting with you guys about it. And we totally Me's will too. do Mass Effect 2 and, and probably Mass Effect 3 mm-hmm. uh, right. as well down the line. Yeah, so in two years and five years, look forward to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, maybe by then we'll have an HD version of the trilogy. Oh, yes. And maybe it'll be on Switch. Yes! Oh my effing god, yes. Please, please bring it to Switch. Oh my god. Yeah, please. Do you want money? I thought you loved money. Yeah! I'll give you all the monies for it on Switch. I will, I swear to god. Okay, and with that, I think we should should sign off. Indeed. So, thanks for listening, and come back and listen to more Retro next week. Should we renegade this and just hang up the call on everybody? Yep. Yep, yep. (laughs) Click. Click.